For my seventh graders in U.S. History 2, I needed to teach about the geography of the United States to include mountains, rivers, lakes, etc. I also needed them to know locations of cities and what states those were in. One of my classes was filled with young boys who are huge into sports, so I figured I would help them learn geography and U.S. history through the NFL and other sports teams. So how did I do that? Well, let's start with an easy one. The San Francisco 49ers, named after the miners and people who flocked to the California gold rush during 1849. The Chicago Bulls. And Chicago Bulls make sense because Chicago is a transportation hub of the cattle meat market where meat could be packaged and sent via railroad or ship through the Great Lakes. The New Orleans Saints, named after the song, When the Saints Go Marching In, which worked great for New Orleans because New Orleans is considered the birthplace of jazz, and the name of the city, the team, and the logo derive from its French roots, who when they settled New Orleans were predominantly Catholic. So as we went through these examples and others, the students cut out pictures of these teams' logos, pasted them on a map, wrote the states where they were in, and we did about 10 of them. But for a project, they had to choose five more logos for many of the professional sports teams, add them to their map, and write about why those teams had those names and why they made sense. Now that's a lot going on, but what I was trying to do was add as many learning styles without being overwhelming as I could. I was told at the time that this would help my visual learners. Visual learners? What? So I made sure I revisited what I was taught about the learning styles and had come up with the model VARC. However, I didn't find value in being told it would help my visual learners. What about my auditory, my reader, my hands-on learners? Did I miss out on them too? Nope. Because what I found out is that learning styles may not be quite the educational method in which we need to think about them. Thank you for listening to the Instructor's Kit Bag, a podcast for all educators based out of Army Logistics University in Fort Lee, Virginia. I am your host, Nate Ball, and I would like to do an overview of something that is pervasive in our educational community. Many of us have heard of learning styles. One of the more well-known is the VARC model. VARC, V-A-R-K, stands for visual, oral, read-write, and kinesthetic or hands-on. The way most of us learned about learning styles was that we, as learners, can identify how we learn individually. For example, I am a visual learner because I prefer images, graphics, and videos to learn, while my friend, who is a kinesthetic learner, prefers to learn where he can move around, use his hands, and get involved physically. If this is how we learned about learning styles, though, we may not be thinking about them properly. And did you know there aren't four learning styles that have been identified? In fact, over the years, educators and researchers have identified up to 71 different styles. But according to research, there is no empirical evidence that there are definitive learning styles for students. Naturally, of course, we have preferences, ways we like to learn. However, in the Psychological Science and the Public Interest, Volume 9, Number 3, December 2008, Harold Pasher, Mark McDaniel, Doug Rohrer, and Robert Bjork, four professors of psychology who specialize in psychological learning, said, quote, Our review of the literature disclosed ample evidence that children and adults will, if asked, express preferences about how they prefer information to be presented to them. There is also plentiful evidence arguing that people differ in the degree to which they have some fairly specific aptitudes for different kinds of thinking and for processing different types of information. However, We found virtually no evidence for the interaction pattern mentioned above, which was judged to be a precondition for validating the educational applications of learning styles. End quote. Now, these aren't the only ones, and this isn't the only study. There's many more like it. However, though, this doesn't completely disqualify the benefits of understanding learning styles or necessarily teaching them as long as it is used in the appropriate way.
Let's talk about what I mean by that, and in doing so, ways in which learning styles have been taught that could be considered detrimental or even unhelpful. Number one, we may spend too much time or money by developing lessons or courses to cater to specific learning styles. Number two, we may encourage study methods that adhere to a specific learning style that may not benefit our students. Number three, if we attach a specific learning style to a student or even ourselves, we may be unconsciously creating a narrative that it is the only style that works best for us. So if we hyper-focus on learning styles and try to categorize our students, and again ourselves, in these styles, we will misunderstand what benefits learning styles could provide us with. Let's revisit the domains of learning that we went over in a previous episode. For a recap, we have cognitive, affective, and psychomotor, also known as the head, the heart, the hands, respectively. If we focused on teaching through one domain only, though, we could be doing a disservice to learning retention. And learning retention, according to the article, 11 Strategies for Improving Learning Retention by WhatFix.com, is defined as, quote, a person's ability to transfer new information into their long-term memory so that it is easier for them to recall and put that knowledge to use in the future, end quote. We've discussed the experiential learning model in previous episodes and found that better learning retention occurs when the lesson, and especially the course, involve more than one domain of learning. We've also discussed the value of using different methods of instruction for your content. By activating the learner's experience and giving them more ways to interact or manipulate new information, we're helping the brain make more connections to memory. And this is where knowing the learning styles can be beneficial. Learning styles really tap into the notion that students have different preferences, and in some cases there are students where other styles are more beneficial for them, especially those students that have dyslexia, for example. I would put forward that realizing that there are multiple preferences in your classroom can help you to gauge your lesson plan to make sure you're adding in as many as is appropriately possible inside your content. For example, if your content is inherently dry, let's call it a vocabulary test for the different parts of a cell. Instead of thinking in terms of learning styles, we could translate styles to methods. So let's do an example to ramp up our learning. For the example of the cell, we will start with a worksheet that has the vocab words and then the definitions next to it. But we need some more. How about the worksheet has the definitions and we need to write in the vocab words? Okay, let's ramp it up. We have a worksheet that has a picture of a cell and we label them with our vocab words. I think we need some more. How about we use flashcards with the definition on one side and the vocab word on the other? More? We use the flashcards and either draw or cut out a picture of the vocab word with the definition. How about more? We have all of those things and we watch a video on it, hopefully with a cool song. Let's do more though. We have all of those things, a video, and shapes cut out on our desk that we can color, write on, and place so that they fit inside the biggest shape on your desk, the cell. But let's do more. We do all of what was said before, but instead of paper cutouts, we use 3D objects to place on a shape and use word association with each object. Either what they look like, for example, the Golgi, which looks like folded pancakes, or associate what the purpose is, still using the Golgi. And the Golgi is like a factory that processes and packages proteins and other things. Now this could go on and on. Imagine how cool review games could be though. Lift up the Golgi. This learning could be done in the presentation portion of your lesson and the three domains of learning are being used. Not only that, but different methods of instruction are being used. And not only that, but those four learning styles, VARC, they're being used. So maybe instead of thinking what category of learner we fit into, we can think of how we learn best using what's called multimodal learning, which is a bigger way of saying multiple methods at once. And if we incorporate the different learning methods into this one lesson, we could reach as many students as possible. 
So by presenting our students' brains with multiple styles, we help make more connections that can benefit learning retention, which is what we want for every learning outcome. All of this being said, if this is something you already know or do, then this is really something to help supplement what you already know. If you have become a certified teacher because you had to know the VARC method or something similar to it, hopefully it steers you into positive ways to make educating people more interesting. Whatever the case, don't let labels determine or predetermine what we as students and educators are capable of. So now I wanna talk about the New York Knicks. If you don't know, they're a basketball team in the NBA and are a member of the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference and are based in the borough of Manhattan. But Knicks is a shortened name. Technically, they are the New York Knickerbockers. So what's a Knickerbocker? Well, Knickerbockers are pants that roll up to the knee and were popular amongst the Dutch settlers who founded the city. Without too much detail, the Dutch founded New Amsterdam. And after the Second Anglo-Dutch War in 1664 with England over the spice trade, it fell into English hands who changed the name to New York. During the Third Anglo-Dutch War in 1673, the Dutch again gained control and called it New Orange. A year later though, the English get it back calling it New York again. Now the reason this matters is because the New York Knicks colors are predominantly blue, white, and orange, the same colors as the current Manhattan flag, which got its colors from the flag of the Netherlands, which was blue, white, and orange at the time. So too long didn't read, the Knicks got their name and colors from the historical ties of the area to the Dutch. And that's it from me, Nate Ball. Thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe, and on behalf of the Instructor's Kitbag Podcast and Army Logistics University, never stop educating and never stop learning. <laughs>